Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Incendies, directed by Denis Villeneuve, Free Guy by Sean Levy, The King's Man by Matthew Vaughn. We have newly released Drive My Car by Ryusuke Hamaguchi and The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how we doing, man? Tommy boy, how's it going? It's going okay. It's going okay. How was your uh, week of movies, man? Week of movies was good. Uh, I obviously, oh well, maybe not obviously, but we <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a big release of Elden Ring. I was consumed and splitting my time. Uh, glad I got in the five though, and of course we have a very exciting uh, new release of The Batman, which I'm sure everyone is. Is, is dying to uh, to hear if it's good or not. Where does it live up? I feel like there's a huge amount of hype around the Batman. It's the big hit in March. It's a huge hit in Absolutely. March. Absolutely. It's the one to see. Uh, however, you, we're starting with uh, Incendies, which is... A, a, we're still hitting it hard with Denny uh, Deli Venu. Yes, yes. It's uh, kind of our boy lately. Yes, yes. Uh, I So I wanted to dive into this to see... You know what early Villeneuve films look like. Uh, Incendies is a a movie that gets a lot of praise. This is before he dives into what I first found him through with Prisoners and Sicario and a lot of intensity. Yeah, it's 2010. We're in there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, honestly, man, what a movie! Uh, this was a huge watch for me this week. Uh, I'll be 100 percent honest. I picked up this film not too long ago, and possibly even for very early on in the podcast, and I put it down just because I felt it was a little hard to keep up with, but upon this second watch and kind of understanding the script and the, the story structure a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, I was in love with this film. Okay. This was a phenomenal film. What's it about a little bit? Really, this movie succeeds on a, a very foreboding tone, uh, the gravity of the situation in this film. And before I get into a little bit about the story, I, I think for this reason, it is extremely intense. You know, this is on this intensity is on multiple levels. I would say, while I love this film, I do have to give a considerable warning at first that this is some extremely intense content. Mm. This is a story where two twin siblings, or rather, just twin siblings, have to deal with a very terrible, bizarre last wish from their dead mother that is uh, conveyed in their mother's will and kind of sends them on a adventure believe it or not i mean it's not it's not an upbeat adventure you know this isn't uncharted or anything like that <laughs> like we covered last week but it nonetheless does send them on an adventure what unfolds is a 
a mystery thriller, I think I would describe this as, uh, that has the plot playing out in the mother's life during the past, and it parallels with the present while the siblings are both unraveling the truth of their mother's life. Uh, The setting is entirely fictional here, but uh, I think one of my... One of my favorite aspects of this is that it mirrors the real-life civil war in Lebanon. I am definitely no expert of this, so let me not speak out of out of class. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, apparently this was a, a real civil war from 1975 to 1990. Uh, the film matches that both in time dates of the... Uh, of how its jump jumps back and forth through the mother's life. And then again, like I said, parallels that in the present storyline with the twins. And because this this fictional setting but real-life conflict is the story, I mean, it is very, very intense. I cannot, I cannot say this enough. Uh, the conflict is religiously charged and merciless. Uh, Denny really does an incredible job at capturing the brutality of this setting, if fictional or not, but obviously a homage to that real-life civil war. And to my disbelief, maybe comes off as maybe his most brutal movie you know tom this is this is in comparison huh. to prisoners sicario I yeah mean, especially you know i guess some intense stuff going on yeah. in sicario yeah uh, and and especially i mean i have always loved prisoners specifically uh, hugh jackman's character in that of how of how real and 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 once again that intensity it's so funny to see that his early films are kind of all consumed around this same kind of theme of uh, very, very, very brutal imagery and, and very intense, uh, emotionally impacting type of sequences in these films. And how much did everything hold up as far as effects or even just makeup design, things like that? Because it's been now 12 years. So, yeah, I mean, Incendies is a, is a much much more drawn back film uh this is i wouldn't exactly call it low budget because yes it's earlier in his career mm-hmm. but when there are action sequences when there are practical effects as far as gun work flames explosions honestly it's it's all very real you know good good uh, i, I don't has think kind a of a lick of cgi or anything like that you know? i always say like a gritty realism and things yes. like that yeah Absolutely. i always appreciate to see that things i liked about christopher nolan because he hates mm-hmm. you know hates using uh, digital effects so much absolutely Absolutely. And here, uh, I I think my my standout for why I was so in love with this movie is that looking at Villeneuve's filmography, I mean, I I for a long time have said he's probably the best directors of the 2010s. Mm. And to go back to 2010 2010 on the dot and have this still be a standout film among my favorites of Prisoner of uh, of arrival, yeah. you know, and, and have it stand up to that. I mean, I was really, really shocked. He certainly seems to be the most consistent, uh, yeah. as far as quality, uh, exactly, and storytelling, uh, and, and and really, it hits the it hits exactly what I want out of a, a gripping thriller. That it may not have violence be the point of the film but the movie is is elevated because of the intensity of that violence right, you right. know uh, this is very much a kind of a a mystery that unfolds especially in the present day because the twins are trying to find 
where the hell this very odd request from their mother's will comes from and 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 it is bizarre it's right in the opening sequences but i, I so I, I you know i don't want to spoil spoil it too much because i think again even just hearing the words and seeing these actors process it the gravity uh, of the situation mm-hmm. is immense i i think i was i was hooked from the beginning even though like i said before I put this film down more so because I didn't understand what it was going for, and I wanted to give it its proper due. Sure. I'm so glad I did, and I urge anyone to jump in a similar way. Give it a serious shot because this film has uh, some some real merit to it. Speaking of Denny, uh, you know this might have been the first to do big block text of sequences or chapters or setting pe- uh, okay. uh, setting locations uh, on screen. Um, Obviously, I don't know 100% for sure, but I'm trying to think back. 2010, would anything be earlier and have these this big this big block text style of... of when you change locations? Uh, change locations. In this, it is for chapters, but also has location names But it's names a certain like style that. of the blocking and the way it's on yeah. screen. Because, I mean... I mean, it's been in film forever, changing of locations sure, and putting up sure. text to that. But it's just that all the, the screen is consumed, consumed with it. Yeah. it well, that's pretty good, because you I, have noticed it lately, but yeah. boy, 2010 is pretty early for that kind of style. Yeah, and this is way before that we see it adopted by Marvel and a lot of right, the blockbuster right. action. Well, uh, I kind of like, I liked Uncharted, actually. The one yeah. Thing, maybe the one thing I liked about <laughs> Uncharted. <laughs> it's, it's text. <laughs> it was the text on screen. <laughs> but no, the all-consuming stuff, that's interesting. That, yeah. Huh, very cool. I, I, I was I was curious about it and and knowing how much uh, of a meteoric rise uh, Denny has in his career I wonder if this was something that among his peers they looked at this and they're like okay yeah that's a style that we it's want it's an to. interesting no it'd be good to go back and uh, see try what, to find yeah I don't know how I would is, I search for it as a film but yeah uh, it's because it's such a weird little niche thing it's yeah. not the fact that it's text on screen mm-hmm. or changing location it's the style it's the type exactly um, exactly that's interesting yeah yeah but um, fair warning I think a big reason why I turned away from this originally is there are some strong subtitle skills needed here uh, important for both mm. understanding the severity and the mystery probably most important out of that of what's being revealed in the dialogue but also being able to juggle watching what is happening on screen how Mm -hmm. visceral uh something is happening on screen and also being able to process the the dialogue it's not something i normally do because i think it it comes very simply if you know as an audience member uh folks at home if you like uh, if you like subtitles, if you're adverse to subtitles, that's right. just you know personal preference. Yeah, I don't definitely. see any problem with that, but I think I do much how much how it this film almost needs a trigger warning for how you know almost endlessly intense it is. In the same way, I think there's definitely an understanding that if this is um, if subtitles or heavy subtitles is not your bag, then once again, neither will this be. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and being honest and being real, that that's I think. Part Part of the reason why I may put it down originally, but be- go through it. You have a phenomenal, phenomenal movie uh, behind that. It's on really on that note that I want to finish on. If this was just a story mm-hmm. on its own, I think it would work great on its own. I think it would work fine, but especially with the how the parallel story is told between the mother's life 
seeking one thing and guess what in the present day we're technically seeking the same thing as well and we see it play out in two different ways the visual storytelling on display mm. is next level i was just ecstatic wow. with damn by the end of this film where it goes how intense it is this is not a boring film though it may feel boring at first i'm telling you digest what is truly going on here yes it is extremely brutal but it is so purposeful in conveying specifically the horrors not shown on screen and i think that's where this setting that denny captures in this story is so, so, it, it takes it to such a next level because you can only imagine as an audience member what's going on outside of the interactions we have with our characters right, and right. the atrocities to it. Uh, not only that, what deals with our main characters, what deals in this parallel stru plot structure uh, around their mother, uh, it is it is really top-notch. Uh, I was very impressed and I was so happy to see that Denny is absolutely living up to my title I've, <laughs> I've given him as best director of the 2010s, which I don't think he would want to even say himself. No, I don't and, think no, so. No, and but. anyone would. But, uh, but with that said, we are going to get, give Incindies a f 84. Ooh. Ooh. So not, not a second. Not. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost going to be 48. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so not quite breaking it over that barrier. That No, no. And I think... You know, uh, we kind of have that 85 as a little bit of something special. Yeah, and I think I think it's 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 more of a, a practical understanding that the, the the level of violence may not be for everyone. Uh and I th sure. I think that's in, that's important to note because there's some really real stuff here. And But does uh, it take away from the film? Like does it make does uh, it, it was definitely enjoyable for me. Uh, right, it makes I, it's I, appropriate for the film. Yes, uh, I think the tone is appropriate for the film. I will say, though, I mean, it, it's going to be not a drag, but it's going to be a little bit too intense, I think, in some spots. I don't think the film sure. is ever trying to be edgy or push it just, just for the sake of pushing it. I mean, just, that's is where the story is right, going. Right, it's just and, trying to be real. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the setting, uh, I just think there's there's got to be a middle ground that I have to at least consider for this, even though I was pretty in love with this film. And I think that's communicated yeah, oh, before. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 80, 84 is very good. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's take a uh, it's quite a big jump then. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are we going to what I think we're going yeah, to? Yeah, I think we're going to go to what, yeah. Uh, so from 2010, De uh, Denny Veneuve, <laughs> we're going to go to Free Guy. Coming out right. coming out this past, uh, well, last year now, 2021, directed by Sean Levy. Free Guy, what do we have, Vin? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, I avoided this one in August, uh, but I needed something light to watch among two three-hour films and Incendies. Yeah. Uh, which is was was some heavy watching this week in amidst uh, uh, you know the juggling act of, of what is every week uh, watching five movies. Free Guy is a movie about a video game world uh, <laughs> and much in the vein of GTA or Fortnite, one non-player character or NPC, basically a computer in the in the game, gains basically a self-aware intelligence through 
the AI it has. Um, what plays out is basically both a story within the game world, but also a story outside of the game world of the programmers of that game. My genuine feeling of this is that this is just straight up fake nerd shit. This is like a Pixels. Uh, oh, this is yes. a, a phony, an imposter. Uh, this is not... This is uh, not for an actual gamer. Yeah, this is not for a gamer. This is not for a real nerd. This is for mass audiences to consume and Ryan Reynolds to have a vehicle to be Ryan Reynolds. Sure. Uh, it seems like it's in every... every so not much, not, okay, not much depth there. Yeah, yeah. Got Ryan, um, but, but, hmm, is it for everybody, though? Or is this movie I, just bad? I, I think... I don't know. They, they try to make references. They get all your favorite YouTubers in the, mo- in the mm. movie. But I'm telling you, there is no soul here. Um... Ryan Reynolds is, he's literally doing the same thing he's ever done, uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's literally the entire character, uh, so, I mean, I think as a critique, uh, there's really no relative thought put into this performance of the character being this glitch NPC. I, I guess to boil it down, I didn't understand why this glitch NPC would crack jokes like Ryan Reynolds would crack jokes. But I, I you know, <laughs> for what it's worth, you know, if you like his shtick, let's be honest, you probably watched this film already. <laughs> but uh, if not, uh, definitely fair warning because this is much like a Robert Downey Jr. or something like that, a very upfront performance. You are signing up for what you're getting here. Yeah, but Robert Downey Jr. can be like a good actor, those two. Sure, sure. And I'm not saying Ryan Reynolds can't, but this is 100%. It's just Ryan you know, Reynolds being Ryan, Ryan yeah, Reynolds. Uh, same thing when we, uh, when well, I, we didn't say, I don't think you saw it. I saw it with our, our one buddy, uh, but Detective Pikachu, uh, that was the <laughs> same concept that it was like, well, this isn't Pikachu. This isn't even the character <laughs> of Pikachu. This is just Ryan Reynolds voicing Pikachu. Uh, and very similar here, this, this is, is the just same, Ryan Reynolds. This is literally the same deal. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with the comedy there uh, in the sense that, hey, you know, if, if you like the jokes being cracked, that's fine. Ryan Reynolds is a funny guy. Uh, I just don't think there's any relative thought into why this character is the NPC and why this NPC would sound like this. Okay. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make no sense. But this movie tries to do nerd culture, and I can't tell you, it just fails where it matters. As yeah, your pr- script is horrible. The script is just god awful. <laughs> and it should be known, folks. Like Vin, maybe it's coming across. Vin's a pretty good nerd. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you, you could say you made the reference. What was the reference you made when we opened? The new game came out this past week. Oh, right, right, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. You're in the world. I'm, I'm in the world. Yeah, and uh, he fails. It fails as a nerd movie. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's that's you know down to this point. I think take that stuff aside. I think the script is just horrible. You know, let's just talk about it as a movie, not what it's supposed to be or what not or, or what its target marketing is. It's just a terrible movie. The game world is far removed what a, a a real game would be. But the failure isn't in that. The failure is in how the real world plot works around programmers. And the logic of the script, it flat out does not make sense how programmers in the story do not know about things happening within the plot. Okay. How to take action within the plot. And all of this is used as just excuses. Excuses to just build up the runtime to just 
create a, a little bit of some sleight of hand within the script to keep it moving going mm. along and and <laughs> and and just make sure that we can still get back to the game world with Ryan Reynolds. It really is just a vehicle yeah. to get to him. And that programming world, that real world plot Guess what? I mean, by them making that so inconsequential, the film is impossibly weaker for it. It really is just terrible because of the script specifically. All the, all of my suspicions of this being fake gamer shit aside, yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is just of just a very weak wannabe blockbuster plot, and just so so breezy, so inconsequential. It just. Oh, that's just terrible. That's bad. Uh, and to, it was, it was to, a Netflix release too, or something like that. No, it was uh, Netflix. I thought it was a. No, digit. I think it was in theaters. Oh, really? I think it's 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 everywhere now, as far as streaming is concerned. Right. Right. Okay. So, gotcha. To just reference what I mean, though, as far as the programmers in the story not making a lick of sense. Uh, you know, ultimately, Ryan Reynolds' character is a NPC, a computer that the team of this game would have programmed and control entirely, like a god. Right. You know? <laughs> and the fact that there are moments in this script that they straight face say a line of just like, oh yeah, we can't find him. It's your game. <laughs> it's your program. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's either they're just flat out incompetent or again, more, what what is the real answer is that this film is making fast excuses to just keep pacing runtime keep it going to get us back in the game world with ryan reynolds and at that point why focus on the programming world at all why focus on the on the real world at all Uh, it's laziness a lack of care it just seems like a lack of effort put into it basically like you said it's just ryan reynolds ryan reynolds being ryan reynolds yes it's just very blah writing that uh, again inconsequential is 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 the word okay uh on a positive note, the action is pretty pretty slick here. I would say it's a it is an extreme level of CGI, but honestly, it, it's, it's it, got the uh, Oscar nomination for uh, visual effects, oh, really? best achievement of visual effects. Little did I know this was uh, this was an Oscar movie. I'm, I'm chipping away. I don't even know it. Oh man! Um, but it, it captures such a, a ridiculous over the topness that it kind of has a style to its excess. I, I will say, though, that is but one silver lining in a very, very rough script Yeah, uh, that consistently breaks its own rules to achieve a, a mediocre end plot. I mean, I, I, I don't even see I don't even see how this is worth uh, the time of the target audience. The real world plot is just so sidelined to rush to the game world. And it, it's just so incredibly weaker for it as well. I, I, I can't tell you how much this this resembles something like Ready Player One in its excess. But I urge you, folks, uh, this lacks any substance for the target nerd audience Jeez. and definitely lacks any substance for the average moviegoer because of its, it, its flawed approach of what it prioritizes in the movie and again, I just I cannot stress enough. This is phony. This is fugazi. This is fake. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're gonna go ahead and give Free Guy a 31. Oh, go- oh, whew, 31. A, a crash from 84. Wow. Yeah, I was like, okay, we're just gonna give him the 40s. No, 31. 
Sounds absolutely right, though. I have was, no interest in it. Incendies was the first movie I watched this week, and then Free Guy was oh, the last movie I watched okay. this week. So, uh, I and luckily I did not have to experience the <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the jarring the, difference. Yeah, exactly. The, the true whiplash of <laughs> of going from movie to movie. Damn, though. Oh my god, 120 million to make too. By the way, yeah, I, big marketing budget, and and like I said, you know, there's there's a lot done to. Have the appearance appearance of being a nerd game, uh, or I'm sorry, a nerd movie uh, like a Ready Player One, but becomes more like a Pixels. You know, yeah, I, w- which like you know, if we ever put it, it, audio to the Ready Player One review, my my quick elevator pitch of that is that yes, there's a lot of access to it. I'm by by no means a huge fan of the movie, mm-hmm. but there is something achieved in the movie's message that it is about. Uh, being a geek, being a nerd, and that translates to useless knowledge. And right, the movie right, is yeah. about useless knowledge. This has nothing to say about that type of experience and instead is just a vehicle for, again, Ryan Reynolds telling jokes and throwing Easter eggs at the audience. It's is that terrible. right? Yeah. It's and terrible. Just, whew, boy, okay. Uh, let's not spend too much more time on that. <laughs> 31, free guy. The free guy. Free guy. Ryan Reynolds, see it now. Um, see it if it's free. But no, no thank you whatsoever. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll move on to something maybe a little bit more fun. Uh, This is another kind of movie in the the Kingsman world, but this is The King's Man, also released in 2021. Vin, what do we we have here? Yeah, so uh, this one I kind of wanted to see just because I've seen all the others in this in this series, uh, and which, which are there? There's the Kingsman, there's the Kingsman, the Kingsman Two, uh, Secret Service, the Kingsman, Golden Circle, and now this is the Kingsman. Okay, it's the third iteration. Okay. Yep, Matthew Vaughn, uh, the director of all of these, back up to bat. Uh, and uh, I, I will say, while I'm not a huge fan of the series, I do think uh, he is a pretty solid director. I, hmm, I'm a okay. fan of Layer Cake, as as you are, Tom. A big fan of Layer Cake. Yep, and would definitely uh, would, would send people that way to Layer yeah, Cake. Yeah, absolutely. X Men First Class is probably the best. X-Men film, and once again, uh, directed by Vaughn. So, uh, with this series, I I thought the first one was solid. The second one, not too much. I'll, I'll leave my thoughts on that, of course, if we put audio to those reviews at some point. Mm-hmm. But this is a strategic sidestep for the brand, however, because... Not only is this an origin story for the spy organization within the film uh, as the Kingsman, this has little to no connection to the other movies as far as characters go or plot threads um, to the point that I don't think I even picked up the slightest Easter egg, maybe a a little nods to the series, but completely a sidestep and structurally a very different film as well for that reason. Yeah, as far as that, because the the first two films really kind of take place relatively present day, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. And this origin story is focuses around what ralph finds in what time period are we in? uh so we're in kind of a pre-world war one uh we follow ralph finds uh, as a military elite um with political reach and riches and really the heart of this story is that his whole world is his son uh, i forget the actor's name uh, Her- uh harris Dickers- dickinson Playing oh, Con- Conrad yes. Uh, Oxford, yes, his yep, son. Yep. Exactly. So I, I think uh, that really is the heart of the film. I, I, it's it's basically we follow Voldemort, but <laughs> uh, having a lot of heart and, and trying to do everything he can to protect his son from the world that he is a part of, mm-hmm. the world at large uh, as World War One kind of looms in, 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 in the background. 
and yeah, it's it's that really is the the focus of the film. It's just him and the love of his son driving him in different ways. Where this movie works, I think, is his acting has a lot of range. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And it's enjoyable to see him in a leadership role of spy organizations, a la the same enjoyment we see him as M in the Bond franchise. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, so he, he has was... the same cool appeal, you know. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a hit. Like you said, he has good range and is actually a good actor. Oh, yeah. You know, very different from what we had before with Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of know what you're getting with. With Ralph Fiennes, mm-hmm. in a way you know what you're getting with, but it can be quite a good thing. Absolutely. Especially where that second Kingsman, like you said, you weren't too hot on and neither really was anybody else. Yeah, I mean, that... that... <sighs> That was it's so funny because it's like that first sequence in the taxi of the second Keys, Kingsman. It is dynamite, and the film only goes down from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was almost surprised they returned to it, but when you have someone like Ralph Fiennes then backing up, it's like, all right, origin story. Maybe there's something here. And I think that's why there's this strategic sidestep. It's a different type of movie. Right. Uh, it's low tech spy, which is very different than the Kingsman, which was very gadget oriented and yada yada. Big time, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it it really is a sidestep for the brand to maybe. create create this almost a spin-off franchise from it so i think in ways we can call this the third kingsman also i think in ways it's also a soft reboot for that sure. reason yeah that, no, so. yeah i like that uh like i said uh, that is the focus the arc for for ralph fines a very good core to the movie and while I was a fan of that, the the main setting, the main plot is like a cartoonish World War One origin film. It's very odd. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like if World War One had a League of Evil Axis villains, James Bond villains pulling the strings from the shadows. Okay. Uh, and believe me, I can get behind a very comic booky cartoon approach like yeah, that. Yeah, because it's based on the comic book, The Secret Service. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it has some I had no idea. comic book kind of feels, but yeah. how like was it executed well, or was uh, it just come off as like? Not good. Yeah. It's taking away from it almost. I, I think, you know, a lot of this um, lukewarm on uh, – the film will call back to events uh, within World War One's uh, kind of uh, history like Franz Ferdinand and give a stylized action movie spin to it. I think conceptually very cool. However, I think it is by far the weaker part of the two things this film tries to juggle as a very intimate story with Ralph Fiennes and the origins of the Kingsmen mm-hmm. and the just like impossibly cartoonish mustache twirling, you know, uh, specter uh, organization pulling okay. the strings causing World War One. It, it's it's uh, it, it's it's a little bit in conflict because we have a very honestly tender and raw story on on the one side about a father wanting to keep his son away from what is inevitably we know going to be a spy organization. And then there's just this there's just such a cartoony element of it. It's it wasn't bad and I think I can get behind it, but it definitely held the film back out did- significantly where Ralph was raising it up pretty high. Okay. All right. Um so the uh the the fictional historical figures in this are hit and miss, I think, uh from the from the most uh, most of the time when they're on screen, the more cartoonish it feels. I think this is best demonstrated with Rasputin, a real <laughs> historical figure in, in in the Russian oligarch at the time, uh, but uh, is now a <laughs> an action hero, a, a an action villain. <laughs> I would say again, the rule of thumb is that the shorter the the actual historical figures are on screen, the better it is because it's kind of just like a wink to the camera, right? Um, okay, you know your history type of nod. 
and then it moves on and sometimes the the real historical context is subverted and sometimes it's played uh, straight uh, but the longer these characters these historical characters on screen I think it just the logic kind of breaks because the same type of wink and nod the, it's, it's, that is given to the audience to say, okay, this is a historical figure that, that that was real, the more time they're on screen and the more cartoonish they have to exist in the world, uh, it is just it, it just falls apart more and more. Uh, right, right. So uh, I would say a pro with all these films is we get uh, one or two really top-notch sequences uh, as far as action goes. Uh, I feel like really that has defined the series. In the first one, uh, obviously the church sequence uh, that everyone lost their mind over when the first film came out. Yeah, I remember watching The Kingsman. Like not, it was actually pretty recently, and I mm-hmm. was like, I don't know, I don't really like it. I wasn't the biggest fan. Yeah, like, it was okay, but you were like, you were like, yeah, I understand at the time that scene was oh yeah like a big deal, big. You know, it was before a lot of the gung fu stuff and what mm-hmm. we know and John Wick mm-hmm. and everything like that, and mm-hmm. yeah, definitely can understand in that in that light then. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, uh, this is even i don't know date wise but i feel like this is even pre like a something mainline marvel that or like a guardians of the galaxy that is very led by music uh, uh, and music in action i yeah, think that's yeah, an yeah. important uh, trend to look at with those films I think the standout here uh, actually sheds some of that baggage that this uh, that the two films in the series have already had. The standout sequence here is a very very top notch kind of dark sequence on the front lines of no man land uh, or no man's land uh, in in World War One, and I think it is good enough to honestly pop this film up a, a few notches. It is. Very much like the opening to Kingsman 2, that it is so good, uh, it's kind of razzle-dazzle, and I have to bring myself down to realize, you know, what else is going in the film. But this is right. a really, really amazing action sequence that, unlike the bombastic nature of the action sequences in these films that are uh, that are just heavy music-driven, very loud, and, and, and good for that reason, this was a very quiet film and I think actually shows some reins for our director Vaughn oh, cool. uh, to to still create such a phonetic and electric action sequence uh, but ah. draw it back into something else and not lean on you know what his normal crutch is right right so uh, wrapping up though I think despite some gripes with pacing and me not loving the particular flavor of the cartoon plot uh, this movie really is I think oddly enough the strongest of the King's Man franchise uh, and I was shocked by that because I think you know this sidestep for the brand to kind of do a soft reboot in this way I think uh, I come out of this a lot more excited to see what is done and more specifically to see Ralph back in this character I mean I think he is the heart of this film and really the best part and probably what saves it from being much lower despite uh, again, a plot that I didn't exactly love the flavor. Sure, to. sure. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give The King's Man a 66. 66. I think that's extremely fair. Mm-hmm. And much better. When I, fir- when I first found out that they were coming out with this, it's just like, oh, boy, why don't we just kill it? Why don't yeah. we just leave <laughs> yeah. it where it was, and everyone's going to be fine. Exactly. But So I was definitely expecting it could have easily been below a 50s or something like that. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. shock, though, that Ralph Fiennes can you know carry it pretty good. Yeah, and he really does carry it. I, I would can, say he's great in that. Yeah, I can only imagine that as far as screen time he almost 
what, 90, 95%? Uh, well, yeah. I, I would say he gets a lot of the screen time because even the supporting characters that we see among his crew really don't get a lot of development at all. So okay. what he's really sharing with is just the villain plot, which again... You know, is is feels it has to be tasked with being an origin story for World War One, much like a, a comic book origin story. Right, which right, is right. Like, I don't know. It, it works and it doesn't. Uh, I'm not going to be too hard on it though, because it is. Uh, it, it's got a lot of style, and uh, for real folks, I will take this type of stylized action film that is clearly trying to do something very unique and very much a passion project for the director and the writers over, I mean, I don't know, uh, Fast and Furious 9, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, <laughs> so right, yeah, I'll yeah. take this type of action film, I think, because it has style and at least it's trying to achieve something new. Cool. You know? No, I like that a lot. Okay, so 66 for The King's Man. All right, so that was for our three previously released films. We have our two in theaters now coming up. And this is when we go into our producer segment. And we would do our new music bed like we did last week, but we have no producers this week. So, so get on it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. no, no, no. But, uh, you know, obviously a new podcast here and everything like that. And as everyone's catching on, we appreciate what the feedback we're getting and everything like that. But we're kind of going off of the value for value model here. So what that says is whatever amount of value you feel like you're getting from us, whether you're listening to this site and enjoying this or listening to the podcast and enjoying this or going to the website and checking it out or going more in depth in movies and checking out our database there, could you give us back some value basically? And and you can go to the dailyratings.com, go to the donations tab and you can donate whatever amount of value that you feel that you want to. Uh, we also have set donations set up sing, mm-hmm. uh, singles or we can do um, there's there's monthly there's a weekly as well and just those are kind of fun numbers that represent us and the films that we have scored mm-hmm. already and and it's fun but and the cool thing is when you donate to us you can write you can write a paragraph and we will read your note when we do our donation segment we'll give you a thank you uh, we'll say your name, read your note, and kind of we'll discuss the note if there's topics brought up or something like that. If you want to bash us, bash us. If you want to leave <laughs> cr- you know, positive criticism and everything like that, that, that's awesome. That's what we want. It opens up a dialogue with all of you. If you want to be anonymous, don't have your name read, just just click the anonymous box, and then you'll be good to go. But that's kind of how we do things here. This takes a dec- really quite a decent amount of time to do on a weekly basis. You know, It also takes some money uh, per month, per year, and so it's just something that helps Vin and I continue to do this because you know this is kind of what we're doing as a side project right now mm-hmm. and it's quite time consuming but we appreciate all you for the feedback that we've been getting and you producers out there that have produced in the past so a big thanks to you and again it's the dailyratings.com go to the donations tab and that's where you can find all that now with that being said let's go into our next segment the now playing the in theaters now mm-hmm. uh, the first one we have came out in 2021 but the u.s release because it's getting so much oscar hype it is just got released in the u.s theaters actually <laughs> yes yes through hbo max and for through streaming right so this is drive my car is the u.s title for it and what do we have in it's a, it's a japanese film drive my car what mm. do we have uh so yeah uh, a lot of hype around this one I- i'm gonna be up front though and uh, i'm gonna say i was not thrilled with this movie and certainly mm. not the 98 it has on rotten tomatoes <laughs> I-, I i question why this was for best picture uh i have thoughts of why it may be there but i i honestly don't want to focus on that too much because speculation around the academy and the oscars is i mean it's a black hole you know garbage garbage do you think real quick do you think it was almost like because parasite was so 
transform like I don't know instead of ripple through the yeah, Oscars the, that we have you know. to look to to uh, Asian directors or, or or I I don't know I mean I, it's 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 an interesting movie in ways but honestly my 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 gut reaction is that there is a a very good performance we'll get to in, in just a moment uh, of a Korean sign language actor and I feel oh, cool my gut my gut you know, it's a great performance, but for Best Picture and whatnot, uh, my gut says that the Oscars uh, or the Academy saw this and says, "We, yeah, we need to, we need to put this." Yeah, is that front. right? You know, it's it's trying to go for some woke points, maybe. Or something uh, like well, of course, of yeah. course, right. Uh, but uh, gotcha, gotcha. like I said, that's a black hole and literally all speculation. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, this movie is about a star actor turned director for stage plays. Uh, this is played by Hideyoshi Nishi, uh, Nishijima, and his character from the start is dealing with a, a pretty deep sadness uh, that only grows to haunt him in new ways as, as the film plays out. Uh, really struggles to find happiness in his life, and when happiness is coming into his life, that sadness is there to meet it uh, and kind of block it out from that spot. Uh, to my disbelief, 40 minutes in, and we just get our opening credits in this film. Uh, wow. I was. This is a three-hour film. Yes, it is. And the choice to make this three-hour film, you know, about whatever the story is or, or what, what they want to unfold, it feels this first 40 minutes that is feels like a pilot to a TV show and is really not great for that reason. I think this could have been cut. I think this could have been, if you really, like want you could have cut the first 45 minutes uh, and just start with like the title sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, cutting the first 40 minutes leads a lot more to the imagination and unpacks for the characters. Uh, instead, this first 40 minutes is focused on the initial trauma for our main character, uh, uh, where I think even if you really want to keep that content to keep the audience in, Engaged throughout the film, maybe flash back to it, maybe have some sort of kind of postmodern type of way to incorporate it in the film. It plays out way too straightforward, and again, the film basically restarts after 40, 40 minutes in tone. Oh my gosh! And yeah, uh, so, so really, the goal of the first forty-five minutes is to create depth with the character. Yeah, uh, it, it's basically the inciting incident to where his his current sadness is, but. Also, the understanding at the end of this film is that this this character has always had sadness. So I think it really is a, a little bit of a waste of time. Uh, and again, huh. not only that, it feels so incredibly different. It feels like the pilot to a TV show, and then the movie we get on the back end of that is different. <laughs> I don't want to talk too it... much about it because, I mean, it goes into – I mean, I don't think the – First forty minutes was exactly terrible, but it's the specific com uh, combining of these two. Of the thing, if one they were different, yeah, and two if you already have a three hour movie, there's yeah. forty five minutes to actually cut there. Exactly, exactly. So because you know, of, it's kind of make up your mind. You want this three hour movie? Sure, fine. Incorporate make, that to be digestible for the audience and hook them in a little bit more instead of oh yeah, yeah. front loading it, and then we just have to deal with a big movie that we kind of know what's up already. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's that that's really where I was not hot on this film. I understand what this movie wants to establish. I cannot stress that enough, but it could have been done in such a different way. Luckily, the acting is good here. Okay. Thankfully for a film about Japan's performing world, uh, I think it would be an even bigger slight if, if a movie about <laughs> actors, uh, stage actors no less was had bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the knives are out today. So, um, no, no punches. No I think punches. it's all fair. I think it's all warranted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nearly every role, I would say, is in very intentionally drawn back and reserved. Where we look into something with this week with Incendies, where the acting is is reserved because of the intensity of the plot that these characters are digesting, much how the audience is digesting. Mm-hmm. I I would say the drawn back acting the roles certainly it plays into a melancholy and that is the feel of this whole film but i would not call it engaging or gripping uh even moments where the plot spikes finally you know we get whoa you know some whoa moments in in what's happening with our characters our characters are just far too reserved in reacting to the events and yeah that is kind of the whole style of the film but once again much like the first 40 minutes not bad in concept but in execution does not engage the audience in the way it should so you it, know it's and like, certainly not for our best picture yeah it, <laughs> yeah it's just shooting itself in the foot basically in the sense that it's just like oh, there's there's depth here there's there's good things happening mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. but but they're not a capturing the emotion behind it. Yeah. They're not a capturing the depth that it really could be. I think the emotion's there. It's just that, you know, acting is reacting. Uh, and right, right. by not reacting, certainly there's follow through on the style that this film wants. And don't get me wrong, you know I like sad movies. Like her no. or. Well, Mass last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I like heavy concepts and, and or, or heavy, heavy subject matter. Uh, and I like sadness and melancholy in films explored. But. There's not a single moment that we finally get a breakthrough that mm. we see our characters affected like they should be. Like affected. they should be, okay. Um, so it's very muted, very muted. Yeah, and, and I can't characters. stress enough. I understand that the film is going for that. Right. That uh, everyone being reserved and drawn back is kind of the point of it. Kind of their trauma that right. they can't express, maybe even you know, despite being actors, but. Uh, I I can't I it, it was just not engaging I think the the failure it makes to it makes is a very gripping film and certainly for my role as a critic to recommend a film I am not you know racing to talk to you Tom and say like oh you gotta watch Drive My Car you know what I mean it's, right right it's it's just not engaging I mean it's a very very pocket film for that reason man know? I wonder why it got its hooks. Into the into the award circle, kind yeah, of. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. And people but, are just bandwagging it on, like you said. I mean, 98 Ron Tomatoes is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and that we've talked about it in the past. I mean, that is not for the sense, not for the sake of just really ragging on a film. No. But I I, I enjoy this role in in critiquing movies and creating a watching guide as the goal of this podcast because a 98 this is not a 98 film this is not you know it's what it's, yeah right saying this, there's only two percent yeah bad with the exactly. movie and otherwise or, or known 2% as like, dissonance among reviewers even or, right yeah it's uh, like it's, it's it's absurd yeah. which is why we stay away from 98 for the most exactly part. yeah so count me in that two percent if you really want <laughs> but this is not a you know I, I would not really recommend this film for that reason i think there are some standouts to it that well, i wouldn't it, even recommend it really well it it, it definitely pushes to be an above average watch, but I am by no means really hot on it at all. Uh, I'm wow. not saying wow. that this is. I mean, I, this is if if you really like a a very sad movie, 
if you don't mind three-hour movies, if you like kind of maybe a Lost in Translation type of vibe. Sure. That the melancholy or the sadness is the point. That weird, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, I, I think that's this But like you said, movie. but you don't even mind that. It's just, it's just you know, are you doing it right? Is there yeah. purpose behind it? Is, is the, are the actors executing it? I mean, how, yeah. how's the story as far as being a three-hour story? Is it good? Well, like you said, it's really a 45-minute story cut and then, and then an hour and then an hour and f- yeah or more or, yeah, or two yeah two hour, hour yeah 15 yeah it, it is good we basically have this inciting incident within the first 40 minutes that shapes how basically shapes the lens of how our main character mm-hmm. is going to react to things and again like i said in my summary it's it's the film is really about moments of life shining some happiness into our characters and then their sadness coming to meet it and not allowing them to be happy. I okay. think that is the the elevator pitch of this. For that reason, though, and in the title, Drive My Car, a lot of driving sequences, very slow, and again, uh, I have no problem with reflective times on screen sure. or, or seeing our actors only subtly react, but I think acting is reacting to... To maybe be a little bit more bombastic, to show how they're affected, you know? I, I think there's – there's the, the subtlety is too much uh, in this film. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Be, be subtle, but uh, have punch where you're supposed to have punch. Or, or have – Real raw gripping emotion when mm-hmm. you're supposed to. It doesn't sound like it was gripping. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Maybe a story that is, you know, it's certainly a competently made film, certainly a slow film in concept uh, and has a concept it wants to achieve. Uh, I think it's probably successful as well in in achieving that, but yeah, it's just it just does it lacks the hook uh, that I would say sure. is is a recommend for me. Where again, not to overcompare, but in Cindy's, the hook was one hundred percent there. If anything, the hook was too big, and then I, I had to kind of you know <laughs> uh, give give a, a little bit of a kind of a trigger warning uh, to it uh, and and a fair warning for it. So, uh, if I had to give a pitch for this movie, though, I believe this story is about communication both what is said and maybe specifically not said in life Uh, structurally uh, that is a theme in this film by having multilingual characters we have actors speaking in english japanese mandarin and even korean but i think this is best demonstrated by one of our actresses uh park you rim that communicates solely through korean sign language this is where the tone and the story meet and without a doubt my favorite scenes in this film was with this actress because it is such a great follow-through on the concept that if this film is about maybe a sadness of things left unsaid in life, guess what? This character is not saying anything. She is communicating with her hands, but she doesn't get that mm. uh, that luxury to speak, to to say everything or, or inflect uh, in her reactions, uh, in her marriage, in her acting, uh, and, and really that was the standout. Again, while I think that maybe the inclusion of this film for Best Picture specifically could have been the Oscars far-reaching or the Academy far-reaching, I think uh, Park Yoo Rim is a amazing performance and I think a... A, a a wonderful inclusion to have Korean sign language in this film where it was 
at first I was like, oh boy, is this going to be a thing? And it actually mm-hmm. had such meaning and follow through for what the film is about. Uh, so much so that really this actress gets the the final performance of the film truly. Uh, however, I would say it is a mere silver lining to a very passive and lacking spice, <laughs> very very bland, uh, unfortunately. It's very disappointing uh, to I, hear. I, I know, I know. I would say I'm, I'm even coming weaker than... Uh, with a recommendation than The Power of the Dog, which I a very different film, but I think those two, unfortunately, are are my, my feelings on these, these Best Picture nods. I think those are going to be the films that uh, I would say, eh, you know, that's, that's, that's really what I mean by Oscar bait, that it's... Sure, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's beyond just a style. It's that it's not, per se, worth your time, but probably going to get critical praise. So I would say... It ties back to uh, my critique to keeping the audience engaged. I want a film to be exciting to talk about. And believe me, I can talk about a sad movie and be excited Absolutely. about it. But that excitement is not here. Again, you you very hot on mass yeah. last week. Exactly. And that was you said it was very emotionally taxed. <laughs> yeah, taxed yeah. it was you. a grieving box. <laughs> it, was a, it was a film of grief. Uh, but and, and it comes, I think, a little bit down to the performances. But I think, once again, I mean, a theme this week is script and mm. and creating engagement and and doing right by your audience and i think in this case for drive my car uh, what is not done is layer the plot layer especially the inciting incident in a creative in a hooking way, uh, in a gripping way for the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's just played a little too straightforward despite, you know, otherwise being a, a, a fine story for what it wants to achieve. We're going to go ahead and give Drive My Car a 60 on the dot. Oh, 60. Yeah, it's better than I thought, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if just... I remember, I gave Power Dog... Not that it has to be a comparison thing, because it really is not. Of but course, of course. Power of the Dog was sixty-two, and and, and just in general, my guiding, the my the the guiding factor for me is that there's a lot of good performances in here, and I think it is a pretty well-made film. But that script really just sinks my recommendation to bring it higher than a sixty. Honestly, I think it's if anything, well, and it's it right like... on the cuff of being just middle of the road. You know. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, the acting was good, but also it could have been a little bit better, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it could have been hitting the emotions way mm-hmm. better. Um, for and that. allow me to say, don't get me wrong, I love Japanese storytelling as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, uh, you do, yeah. You know, uh, live action and animated, you know, I mean, any type of storytelling that is done in the Japanese filmmaking space. So, again, you know, this 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 almost should have been right up my alley. Yeah. I can't stress enough that it's it's really not terribly worth your time unless you, again, are are knocking off uh, a lot of Oscar nods and want to have kind of a completion. And it's scratching you know, a certain itch maybe you have or a certain liking. Again, a 60's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just like a relatively okay film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one step above completely null or, or you know, mm-hmm. completely average out of 50. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. But I think it's important to note that and note that it is 60 to kind of tamp down expectations. Exactly. And also, you know, once again, you know, the Oscars don't exactly have best movies in interest, actually. Yeah. And it has a lot of uh, boxes to check before they actually get into actual. For sure. You know For what I sure. mean? Okay. All right. So 60 for Drive My Car, a little disappointing, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the three hours spent. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. If it wasn't three hours, I mean, boy. <laughs> Alrighty. So that's 64, Drive My Car. And now we have the big blockbuster, 
the one that we've been all waiting for for quite some time. This is Robert Patterson in the new The Batman. The Batman. Uh, I mean, I had been, even before the show, we haven't, I didn't even ask you about it. I've, You're right, yeah. I've been waiting, I have been very much waiting You're for right. it. I wanted to wait till We to, didn't even talk, we were silent, we were folks. We came in, <laughs> the mics were humming, you know. <laughs> but um, so I'm super excited. I think, I think a lot of people listening are definitely excited about this particular one. We have The Batman. What do we have in? All right. Uh, it is, uh, I would say, a little bit daunting to talk about Batman for the first time on the podcast, but I'm going to try <laughs> to keep this condensed to this movie as much as possible. Right. That's good. Uh, yeah. it, because it is a, once again, a meaty three hours. Uh, it is a big, big film. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting off, I don't have any watch time with the director, Matt Reeves. That's that's important to note because this this Batman is nebulous. This is not connected to any existing Batman out right now. I think that's fairly confusing for audiences, especially with the semi-recent release of Joker. That is, you know, kind of positioning where this film is in the Batman mythos or or maybe just existing series okay. is a little tough. I'm here to say that this is a completely on its own Batman story not connected to seemingly anything other than its own setup uh, within the movie. The elevator pitch for this is The Batman is we find Bruce Wayne in year two uh, of his crime-fighting career. Uh, I'm a big fan of this distinction because it lets the audiences decipher where the hell this particular Batman story takes place. That's actually Uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it very quickly... It gives certainly comic book nerds a an understanding of the type of Batman story we're going to get. It's true. I mean, for not the biggest mm-hmm. fans out there, it's because, we, you know, the, as far as the comic books are concerned, it's you get a much different Batman early mm-hmm. and then older Batman. I mm-hmm. mean, they, I like that there's a distinction between after years and years of crime fighting, you <laughs> yeah. become a different person. Exactly. Uh, down exactly. to it. Uh, actually, things that you liked about... Um, What's his face is Batman. You know, this was in my notes, Ben Affleck. Yeah, because yes. you liked Ben Affleck because he was the. It was a late era Batman, right? Yeah. And who had definitely a darker side to him. Yep, yep. Uh, I held a whole rant, but I cut it. But <laughs> it was up. Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, I think in general, uh, if anything, I want to give credit to Matt Reeves because by labeling this year two, you could say, all right, well, who cares? It's a year two of Batman. But I think strategically within the movie itself, uh, yeah. it defines itself among any other Batmans and the confusing... I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, it's a Batman every decade, uh, basically, oh, if you look at it from the 90s. It's exhausting. You know, yeah, yeah it's, a new, it's a new Batman series every decade, basically, so... The early time period uh, gives us new styles not explored. Honestly, Bruce Wayne, it is like if Bruce was... was in the misfits uh it's a very moody very emo uh punk bruce uh that is played by robert pattinson he is confronted by a new serial killer on the loose uh adopting a mask of their own called the riddler uh i think rob does a great job here Uh, he snaps at alfred he lets his eye makeup run down after Mm. uh, a night of crime fighting it's very it's very edgy uh but it all works. It oh, it does. really does all work. I really didn't know how it was going to when you see when you see emo Batman. Right. <laughs> how's it going to play off? Right. <laughs> uh what I will say is why I want to 
uh, bring this up is I think as with any new casting with an iconic thing, we see this uh, or with an iconic role, uh, we see a lot of critics of Robert Pattinson uh, and saying, oh, he can't do this. He can't do that. Mm. A la James Bond, a la, you know, anything. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's second up to bat or in this case, you know, uh, who knows how many up to bat. <laughs> with this, though, I would say I-, I was a fan of this. I think it definitely works with the mood of the film. I will say if you are not a fan of Robert or rather a thrilled with the casting specifically, uh, the very moody way this character is written, I don't think is going to save Robert's performance for you. So maybe something to consider. I will say happily it does work for me because primarily the same moodiness that is around Batman, it really does work with the rest of the tone uh, this film has. It let's let's I mean this this film is very gothic, uh, right down to mm. the name of Gotham. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we see this much more in just the city. The city itself takes a lesson from Joker, and that makes it a character, makes it grimy. Uh, and I think that's important setting because if there's anything holding the Nolan films back, when you return to them, uh, Gotham looks a little, you know, a little safe. It looks just like you know downtown Manhattan. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like that. So there, there is, there is time put into this into this dark, gritty feel. It is also sold. In the inclusion of everything from church bells into the score, or ah. a new high collar cowl to Batman, uh, and and I really do think a more stylized Batman is where this comes into play, and and where this film really succeeds in its tone. A huge huge positive here is the score by mm. Michael Giacchino. He outdid himself with a very u- bat- unique Batman theme, which Ooh. is, you know, this is how very do you exciting make, to me. Yeah, this is, how do you yeah. make a huge Batman? How do you make a unique Batman theme, you know, after Batman's <sighs> in, in the all decade, uh, you know, every decade? But it, it really is the heart of this film, and I think it sells the tone of this is grimy Gotham, this is old money, and this is Moody Bruce Wayne. Cool. That, that's kind cool. of the, I, I the, dig the that. I dig that. Yeah, absolutely. Let me rapid fire some p- performances here. Robert Pattinson, like I said, a very good by me. Uh, I would say, in the grand scheme of thing, probably just as silly as any Batman voice. You know what I mean? So if I wanted ah. to combat maybe some naysayers of how moody he is. You know, go ahead, watch The Dark Knight. I mean, I think it's a it's an absolutely must-watch phenomenal movie, but it is a little goofy, uh, you know, as far as voices and whatnot. <laughs> Does he have – I know it, you barely hear him in the trailer, but he seems to have a pretty – I mean, it works. Mm-hmm. His Batman voice seems pretty good. Yeah, it, it's, it's not the voice itself. It's just how the character comes off. Okay. You know, it's very juvenile. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was going to say – I movie. believe he's actually 20 years old, the character. Oh, in damn, this. really? Yeah, it's supposed Ooh. to be very early on, so. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, we don't get super muscular, like, buff. No, yeah, definitely not uh, Ben Affleck buff. Chubb Batman. Yeah, right. <laughs> Chubb man. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Zoe Kravitz, uh, I would say, is absolutely redeemed from her performance in Kimmy. Uh, she is cool as ice in this as Catwoman, and... I mean, not that, I don't know, not that the, the bar is set too possibly high, but probably 
my favorite Catwoman. No joke. Uh, <laughs> Maybe yeah. the bar isn't set too high, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> Ali Barrio. <laughs> um, I mean, Zoe Kravitz, but she was good. I really don't know her or don't know her acting all that well. I know you would, mm-hmm. did not love Kimmy. No, Whatsoever, no. but, like, she really did fit. Yeah, she, she was good. this uh, pretty well. Uh, yeah, this, the, obviously, the, the, the sex appeal is huge, and I think it really works chemistry-wise uh, between mm. her and Robert Pattinson. And I think, I mean, that's, that's kind of going to plague a Batman story that includes Catwoman is that romance element yeah. but it, it does work here because okay. I think uh, um, it, uh, there's there's a lot of stress to the plot and I think it is a good release valve for the stress and in... you have three hours yeah exactly so you can definitely you have some something. content filler there yeah, yeah. Oddly, though, my favorite performance is Colin Farrell as pro- I, I, almost without a doubt the best portrayal of the Penguin we have ever had on screen yet. Very cool. You're almost questioning the makeup and saying, is it really Colin Farrell under there? Is that good, huh? Uh, yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, you know, you, if, if I really wanted to be critical, I mean, is it that hard to throw on a, a you know, a gangster accent? And, oh, what do you want to touch? You know, <laughs> is, is, it, is it really that hard to do that? But I think it's the follow through of introducing the Penguin as a character in this way. And the makeup work is really stellar. Uh, I really did Good. enjoy the transformation That's awesome. uh, that, uh, that Colin did here. Was uh, it as good as like or better than maybe a... Um... Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Oh, as far as Which, like, like as far as like surprises with people, you know what I mean? I feel like some of the best transformations we've had in in, in recent years mm-hmm. would have been Jared Leto in House of Gucci. Yes, yes. And then uh, Colin Farrell here as as, as Penguins mm-hmm. what it seems like and Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Yeah, I it, I don't know too much in the production. I think Bale's weight was real with that portrayal. Oh yes, where I believe it's mostly makeup work with these two other interest instances. Okay, okay, gotcha. I, I think I, I I don't know for sure. I but Colin was very much more fatter suit and a lot of facial makeup. Uh, but that's not to say it's bad whatsoever. No, no, that's awesome very that they good. did a good job on yeah, it. Yeah, very good looking and uh, once again plays an interesting real estate space within Batman mythos as early Cobblepot. He's not exactly Penguin Penguin yet. Right, so right. we see this uh, this character uh, or this role early on and there's some enjoyment in that uh, for deep cut fans obviously that have seen every iteration of Batman mm-hmm. but I think legitimately for new watchers as well it's a great introduction again it's introduced as this year two i think that's a great way to let your audience know hey don't worry about even the most recent of dc properties with batman mm. you know that you can you can just enjoy this film and uh and there's there's a lot there and really what what is left here is the Riddler, played by Paul Dano, uh, which, I got to be honest, unfortunately, is the bulk of my critique. I really? really wasn't too much of a fan of this performance. I think the concept is good, but let me let me unpack this a little bit. So the main point I want to get across here is that this movie, conceptually, is described as a thriller. Uh, it is described mm. as in the vein of a David Fincher film or something like that. Okay. Even even in how I described the Riddler in the summary, this is not a comic book mustache twirling villain. This is a real serial killer with all the horror wrapped up into that. And I think that's a great jump 
that is obviously explored plenty in Batman comics yeah. and like deep cut comics uh, of Batman, but hasn't really been explored. Even the realness of the Nolan films, it has not been explored in that way. That these his villains, his his uh, rogues gallery, is filled with just mentally unstable people <laughs> so there there's there's some good concept there that is good yeah so they're really going for that oh yeah even with nolan i mean you said the joker it got into some pretty like more crazier mm-hmm. crazier mm-hmm. stuff than what we get is more of a mm-hmm. polished kind of older batman right. movies and stuff right. like that yeah exactly so they were really going for it on this one yeah uh but i i think it's it's tied into a huge black eye on the film and it's just very simply it's a conflicting pg-13 rating mm. um, uh, and conflicting with where the script clearly wants to go. Where this ties into my main critique is this film is presented like this wannabe Fincher film, wannabe thriller, but does not have the punch. And unfortunately, Riddler is the one to kind of take that. There's a lot of disturbing imagery with Riddler, but as far as how the action is presented around this film, this film is filled to the brim with tactics to cut away violence, blurs, and an extreme depth of field mm. uh, in action sequences. It takes away from it. Yeah, it makes it feel cheap. I have so it should have been rated R. It should have been rated R. If it was able to be rated R, that is. I think I think this would have been very quite possibly a contender to knock off the throne of Dark Knight. Wow. Um, because the style would have been so such a beautiful matching to it. But they needed they needed to mm-hmm. Not dumb it down. They they, they do, yeah, more palatable for the wider audience. Absolutely, and and you know what am I saying? It's a Batman film. You think you know Warner Brothers is going to actually put a rated R to no, their course biggest? Not. Of course you know, not. Of course not. No, I obviously we know why it's rated PG thirteen. Yeah, it's a shame because the movie that they were actually striving for. Needed yeah. to be rated R film. The script and the character of the Riddler want to go in one direction, and honestly, the events of the story still tried to go in that direction, but what falls through the cracks is the action itself. And I'm sorry, you know, action is a big element yeah, yeah. of a superhero Especially film. Especially the Batman, absolutely. Exactly. How so. was Paul Dano as far as just, like, acting-wise and being, you know, a, a psychopath? psychopath. I, I, think, I think he's good. He's, he's, he's definitely a little bit cartoonish when we get face to face which is of course you know what i want out of the riddler uh-huh. I mean, this is a <laughs> you know we're talking to, <laughs> i love batman forever i right. love jim you know what i mean so i <laughs> i was excited honestly for more cartoonish batman but that aside i i think dano's performance is fine it's once again it just it feels he wasn't, like it's chains there there's there's a there's he wasn't a, given the runway yeah yeah Exactly, and and, and wow. it's a shame because Dano is disturbing on sequence on on screen. Uh, he has a lot of sequence, especially uh, in his element, that are you know right out of a full blown rated R thriller. Okay, but again, my critique is not saying oh I wish it could have been rated R. No, that's not where I'm focusing on. I'm saying a byproduct of these restraints in this PG thirteen, what falls is not performances, is not the setup, it's the action that falls Hmm. from it. Uh, They have to cut away from explosions, they have to cut away from hits, and and again, for for the keen eye among you folks at home, take a look at the how the action is filmed, how the depth of field is done. 
Unfortunately, I think it results in a cheaper look for the probably more the more important parts of what a Batman yeah, film Yeah, that sucks. Is. Yeah. But I would say the good news here and what balances out my critique of this, because it's a little bit of preference, but it really is an observation of what, what falls through because of a byproduct of that PG-13 rating, you know, for... A Batman movie, this is less about an action superhero movie and really more of a thriller detective story. And I think Matt Kinda Reeves cool. achieves cool. yeah, achieves yeah. something new in a landscape of again, four decades of Batman. You know what? I, I, I pity the directors that continue to top Londo Batman films right. because with each... <laughs> You're running out of stand, well, real Yeah, with each new director to, to set of films, it's just like, okay, damn it, how are we going to, like, how are we going to mm-hmm. separate ourselves from this one? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Chris Nolan almost had the easiest. Now, he's the first one to do it. Right. Which uh, made it as most far as important. A, yeah, a gritty, gripping. And changing yeah. things big time. But then mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, how do we keep on reinventing ourselves a little bit? And if seriousness is the way to go, for me, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Where we get such a lack of it when it comes to Marvel. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yep. And thank God for Chris Nolan kicking yep. that off. Yeah. Interesting, though. I mean, I love that. I love what they were going for. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see, not that I'm saying that they should, but it, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see a recut or a re-edit, much like a Zack Snyder, <laughs> <laughs> for a more mature audience. You I know? would love that. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We're in the we're in the, the wild that, west as far yeah. as that's concerned. I have no idea. Not that if, I, if I was a betting man, I would bet the Snyder cut of Justice League would never come out. So. Right, right. But yeah, I, I think the the good news is, you know, let's 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 talk about you know what. What Batman truly can be, it is it is the world's greatest detective. That is his tagline. And this is less of an action story, uh, less, less of an action superhero story, and more of a slow burn thriller detective story. Yep. And I think not only does it carve out a spot among a plethora of Batman movies, both animated from Warner Brothers and, and DC's uh, shop, to the mainline uh, Batman films that we've all seen. And um, for that reason, I really could see maybe younger audiences this being their Batman, yeah. much how Dark Knight was our Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I think the style itself is a really big highlight to it, uh, despite, again, some gripes with the action itself. But if it's not trying to achieve that, and certainly if I can even in my own critique, support a viewpoint that says, eh, forget about the action, it's about the thriller aspects of what this film is trying to go for, and year two Batman, I think uh, I still come very, very positive here. It may not reach the heights, unfortunately, of Dark Knight, <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and give The Batman a 79. Ooh, 79, okay, not quite scraping the 80s. But still very, a very good extremely score. good. And really is a should watch. Again, it, folks, like when, when you're, if you're in the high 70s, mm-hmm. uh, those are big-time should watches. Absolutely. The 80s definitely should watches, you know. The, the score is a, is a should I listen. I cannot wait. Oh, my God, I cannot <laughs> On wait. its own, yeah. Was there did, – did, did the score poke and nibble at, like, old-school comic Batman? Like, were there no. almost elements or tones or – I, uh, maybe Catwoman. Catwoman has uh, almost, it feels like the original uh, theme or motif in okay. the uh, Penguin Catwoman uh, oh, uh, in, in okay, Batman okay. Returns, uh, okay. the Burton film. But nothing, nothing of like dark base of. No, maybe an ultra slowed version. I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to get the phones on and, and examine it. But no, I, I think uh, this has a really th- thick identity of its own. And I think 
think that's really the best part about that and almost the most daunting task. And that's why it comes oh so positive with the review. You Maybe know? as a, um, a uh, composer to keep our... Uh, yeah, absolutely. For ears out for, yeah. 100%. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a good watch, and I was thankful because yeah. I think, uh, especially after the Ben Affleck run, I was not really excited for New Batman. I thought it was all done. Uh, and Nobody was all that excited for New yeah, Batman. Exactly. So the fact that, once again, uh, it's carving a spot among the great Batman stories, I think that's a win and absolutely. definitely a recommendation from me. Very cool. All right, Vin. Uh, is there anything else, or are we going to roll credits here? I, I think we're running long. I just wanted to say, uh, because of the influx of trailers that I've had to see, um, <laughs> if I have to see the Morbius trailer <laughs> one more me. time, I text it down. <laughs> I'm going to blow my brains out. It is in, it's so bad. It's so bad. I'm not bad. looking forward to that film, that's for sure. Oh, New Jurassic Park 2, that trailer feels like it's made by an alien. It feels like it's made by an alien that has studied a a human interaction. Sure, but I love Sam Neill, (laughs) and I love seeing uh, my boy Uh, Jeff Goldblum Goldblum on it. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum, 62, looks dynamite, by the way, for 62. Anyway. (laughs) He does, absolutely. All right, so... Well, well, that's truly it now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just bitching about the trailers a little bit. (laughs) All right, very cool, Van. Well, thank you very much, Van, for putting some time in for those three-hour films. We appreciate you stopping by. We'll see you next week. And for folks at home, we're just going to run it through one more time here. We have Incendies with an 84%, Free Guy with a 31, The King's Man with a 66, Drive My Car with a 60, and The Batman with a 79%. We thank you so much, folks, for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors, so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Thank you.